England. Justin Madden's got the set, one hand. to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Yes, well we are Byron and thank you to you and hello Australia. This is your Football Life as Byron said and today's a very special occasion for me because I'm not only interviewing a star of the game both on and off the field, I'm interviewing an absolute delightful friend and uh, a friend with no fine print in that particular contract. This man played 266 BFL games for Melbourne and North Melbourne. He's a North Melbourne Premiership player in 1977. Melbourne captain, 73 to 76. Twice Melbourne best and fairest. Runner-up to the Brownlow medal. A big V representative several times and St Kilda coach for five seasons. He is Stan Alves and he's with me. Stanley. Rex, great to be here. Well, it is great yeah, to be with really you. Is. And I, No, I really, we're, yeah. we're celebrating lives and I suppose we're not trying to get you a discount with Tobin Brothers, but we're going <laughs> to find out exactly what makes the great man tick. Well, it's actually great to be with you other than just our social get-together. Well, isn't, isn't it? it right? <laughs> yeah. And we'll just leave that, uh, the, the, the selection of wine was just fantastic. But uh, And all the best to Judy and uh, Lynn who will be listening to this particular broadcast it all started at Edith Vale Aspendale. Were you always an above-average uh, performing kid? Um, no, look, I struggled for a while. Um, I, I think that uh, back in those days, Rex, um, the earliest you could play footy was uh, under-17s. And uh, I, I think that my dad probably got me the love of the game by taking me early days to watch his beloved Saints play. Um, so I thought footy was just played at that level. And then I guess you muck around with the kids at school and they start to talk about the local footy. And so I went down to Edifal Aspendale and uh, watched the guys who became my heroes. Um, and they were blokes who I've come to find out later on weren't that good. Exactly. <laughs> but, but at that point of time, uh, you know, the Lions twins and Pasha yeah. Barclay and blokes like the that. The Cupsers. The Cupsers yeah. running well, They around. were pretty good. They yeah. went to the VFA. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. So... Um, they became a heroes, and I think that was the spark. Uh, yeah. And then to try and get a game, and for a couple of years just played at local level without getting a game, and finally cracked it. Uh, I, I'm not sure, but uh, I need the listeners to know that was in the PN or the Frankston or the Peninsula League. Peninsula League. Peninsula League. Peninsula League. Yes. And, and uh, just like the Federal League where I came from, and a lot of good players at Melbourne did come from, um, I'm sure Greg Wells uh, was one of them coming through Bentley. Yep. It was a pretty fierce competition, those Bayside comps. Yeah, look, it really was. Um, and, and back in those days, I think it's like everything. Um, the, the, the club, sort of your, your neighbouring club was, was Chelsea to our one. Uh, and there was an enormous rivalry from those point of view. And I think that probably from my point of view, though, that um, in growing up in that era, that the real challenges came for us when we played Frankston. Frankston was the was the real arch enemy at that point of time with yeah. Travis Pays and Stewie Trott. And wow, great players of that of that ilk. Gary so, Collin came. Gary Collin too, the, and, the, the, and the great Dermot Brereton later on. Yeah, correct. So it was a great breeding ground. You were as fine as a fairy's flute, and uh, this uh, actually was highlighted to you when Melbourne showed some interest, and you were told in no uncertain terms by the great Norm Smith, who is the Norm Smith Medal, you know, honoree, yeah. uh, if there's a word. Uh, the thing about it is, he told you in no uncertain terms. You're too skinny kid. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, look, I, I tried out at uh, three other clubs before I got to Melbourne. Did you really? It was really? the same story. Yeah, yeah. I tried out at Collingwood, Richmond and St Kilda. Wow. And uh, all of them felt that I had a bit of talent but wouldn't make it purely and simply because of my physique. physique. 
uh, Melbourne took me on, um, and I lasted one training session before Norm asked me to leave the track. Yeah. And simple terms said, I'm doing everything, but not doing it very well. And uh, met with me afterwards and really threw me the challenge and said, look, son, you're not really going to make it unless you can put extra weight on. And uh, enrolled me in a gym, and the challenge was to try and put in those days a stone and weight on. Did you realise who and with what authority was telling you to do that? No. Did you realise no. the, the absolute aura no. of one of one of the greatest coaches that they've named this medal after him? I, I think... Uh, but you knew Melbourne had been just oh, yeah. absolutely oh, yes. uh, continuous challenges or victors in the in the VFL T- back then. Ten-year period, eight wow. grand finals, six premierships. A- and a bloke called Frank Bluey Adams played in a premiership every 26 games. Correct. Don't you hate him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be emulate him. But I think, Rex, just coming back to Norm, I think the, uh, the ignorance, if you can say, of youth is that when Norm really said to me, go and you've got to put a stone and weight on, if you put the stone and weight on, I'll, I'll let you play in a practice game and see how you go. Right at that point of time, my feelings about him were in the hopper positive. But I come to understand that he was really, this was a mark of greatness. He knew that I wouldn't make it where I was at and wanted to find out just how desperate I was to play. And if I was, he would give me a chance. And so I think that's one of the great things about great people. And I've often said to people, and I hope you might agree in some ways, I think one of the mark of great coaches or leaders is the capacity to be able to find out what makes people tick. Exactly. And uh, and I think he always had this belief that there's a, there's a spark in everybody, and if you can ignite it, you can actually get something to really play at a level that they're really capable of. We'll touch on that a little bit later on because you as a coach and a father and a role model, uh, everyone's not the same. And you, Correct. It's just a, it's a 24-hour day job whether you've got to ring a bloke and say you've got to hand pass quicker or you've got to stop uh, rubbing shoulders with these types of people. It is just an amazing thing. Uh, tell us about uh, how you found out about uh, playing your first game because uh, you, you came on pretty quickly once you got to the MCG with that extra 14 pounds on your torso. Yeah. Well, uh, the situation was that um, in those days, um, the only way you found out... It was interesting. Uh, uh, Melbourne in those days never had team meetings. I mean, you never no. you never stood back and Neither you went we. through who you were playing. It was talking about you, league teams Thursday night. It was league teams Thursday yeah. night, or looking in the paper yeah. next morning. And uh, so, uh, what happened though for me it was a little bit different. Is that um, I got a phone call on my way home. Uh, I just got home and I got a phone call, and it was from Norm saying. Um, Look, we're really seriously considering uh, picking you this week, so be ready. I made the mistake of actually telling everybody I knew that I'm in, and he rang me about two hours later and said, we've changed our mind. Go on. (laughs) So, and that would have been against Collingwood. He was Um, really testing you? Yeah, he was. That's Uh, character building? Yeah, and next week he came to me again and said, look, we're really seriously considering playing you. Well, of course, I didn't tell anybody. Didn't and tell when anybody. I picked up the paper. Uh, I uh, was in the team against I the know, Western Bulldogs. I know the number he dialed when he called you in that particular year. It was XF two three seven. Remember those days? Because <laughs> yes. I was FBNFG. <laughs> yeah. Like just absolutely amazing. Uh, it, it was an incredible era. At any stage, did you just expect that you'd play finals going to such a wonderful side? Because oh. it was a great accolade breaking into that. Because yep. Melbourne were the powerhouse, yep. and save for fifty eight when Collingwood got in the wet and Harrison got Barassi they were just unbeatable I had Murray Wiedemann a couple of weeks say we as a team at Collingwood did not expect to beat Melbourne did you feel the arrogance at Melbourne when you got there oh it it was an arrogance based on on really such strong beliefs Mm. Um, and this is where that's different than being cocky isn't it without doubt yeah because you you, they could actually walk the talk yeah Um, 
But for me, Rex, and I think you, you've mentioned somebody's name. For me, I really assumed it. And somebody gave me some advice and said to me, you know, if you're going to ever think you're going to make it, whatever you do, don't fall for the trap. If somebody says, you know, where, where's your best position, saying, well, wherever the coach will play me. Yeah. He said, you've got to actually go for a spot. And and I really thought that that's my spot was Frank Adams' spot because yeah. he just retired. And so I really... They had an amazing centre line. I think of oh. Dixon, Hassaman and Frank Adams. Correct. And just uh, adding up in my head, I think something like 15 flags between them. Yeah. And a skinny kid from Edifal Aspendale... Yeah, you got a bit ahead of yourself or not? Yeah, well, I got ahead of myself, but I think I targeted it. Yeah. And, and to get into that side, and it was interesting because when I broke into the side, the, the side was having a fantastic run. Yeah. Things are going extremely well. But as you will probably allude to, uh, it was only a couple of weeks down the track. I just might. everything fell apart uh, at And Melbourne. why do you think it did fall apart? Because how the mighty have fallen. Because yeah. if you've gone away uh, for a few weeks overseas and come back, you'd have to actually check that it was right and wasn't a, a misprint. Yeah. Well, this fantastic side had won six or seven or eight games in a row and things seemed to be going absolutely superbly. And then they sacked the coach. Um, they sacked this fantastic man who took in all these premierships. Mm. Um, I think it was the first time I got an insight into the success of so much clubs comes behind the scenes. Yeah. And the problem was uh, a couple of things. It was at board level. I think that there was this feeling that um, they weren't getting enough recognition. They thought Norm was getting all of it. Oh, but also goodness. I think that those people got caught in the time warp. Yeah. I think that that success, they were starting to believe their own bathwater. Yeah. And that they believed everything would just go along and you get people to come and be there. Um, the reality was they'd set the benchmark and as other sides started to come at them, Melbourne still stayed in the past. Stan Alves has joined us on This Is Your Football Life and every year hundreds of people take out a fixed price funeral plan with Tobin Brothers Funerals and by doing that they have the peace of mind of knowing that regardless of how long they live, the price they pay today is fixed forever. Why not celebrate your life with a fixed price funeral plan for Tobin Brothers Funerals? Just take away the pressure of the finance and do what Tobin Brothers promote. Celebrate the life of a loved one because that's what it's all about. A fast forward to Bob Skilton arriving. I uh, I didn't mention my young uh, young man Mitch Cleary who does all this for me. That I've got an idea. You had a kid playing in number nine at centre half forward called Stephen Curley, and you might have won eight or nine of the first games in one of the years that Skilton was coaching. What year was it? Uh, that was nineteen seventy. Four or five. Four. I've, I've got to get that and right. And then yeah. the wheels fell off. Yeah. What do you What do you reckon went look, wrong? Look, I think Rex. That, yeah, um, because yeah. in this day and age, everyone's expecting it to happen with Port Adelaide, but it's not happening at yeah. the moment. But last year it did because they lost eight out of the last ten or something. It can happen, and when kids oh. sort of, you know, will of the wisp, throw caution to the wind, and then the reality of winter and hamstring soreness and real biffo yeah. comes. Yeah, you just look, you've hit the nail on the head. I think Bob, when Bob came, he, he was fantastic for us from the point of view that he brought, um, he upped our training level uh, to an intensity that we hadn't had before. So we became very fit and stuff like that. But I think that the bottom line is that in that period of time, and it got into that, that era, it's a, it's an incredible thing to say this, but people may not realise it, but Melbourne at that point, we never had lights. Could you believe it? Yeah. MCG? And what no. had to happen is that we, we would train until it got dark, yeah. and then we would just have to do some run. And the Starlings would let you know that it was dark. I, They'd I'll all roost you, up there, wouldn't they? But you know what? What stood out to me was, 
on my way home driving past Punt Road, Richmond was still training. We had lights. And we what were Richmond tra- doing at the time? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, we, were still, we were still caught behind, and, and I think Bob was fantastic for us. But in terms of when it really came down, we would play sides and be with them till probably about three-quarter time, but then sides would just run over us. And why don't you join us after the break for more of this fascinating chat with a champion of the game, both on and off the field. Stan Alves has joined us on This Is Your Football Life. And on behalf of Tobin Brothers, we'll take this break. Tobin Brothers... Celebrating lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Dan Elton joined us. He is full cream milk. Don't worry about that. And he rises to the top. He's an absolute champion. And thanks for your time. It's really, really good of you. Uh, 74-75. Wonderful standout years personally for you. Uh, best in, Second best and fairest in 74. Runner-up in the Brownline Medal 75. You were captain. Things couldn't have been going rosier. Or could they? You went to Bob Skilton and you said, yibbity uh, yibbity, no more captaincy. I'm shocked to find that. I didn't know that. Um, well, it was... a uh... A little bit different to that, to be honest, All right. um, because Bobby Skilton called me in at oh. the end of 76 and said, um, I need to tell you that I think your time's up. Uh, what, up as captain or as a player? As, as, as a player. Oh, good. Yeah. And uh, So after you picked yourself up and off the look, floor. In, in fairness, um, I was 31 years of age at that time, and uh, the club had just missed out on finals. Uh, it was probably it was the closest we've been in all my time there. Yeah. Um, and uh, he then arranged a meeting with the club president. Um, we sat and talked about it, and they said, look, the reality was that we, we need to move on. You've been a great person for the club. We're going to go in a different direction. We would like you to announce your retirement. And to be honest with you, after thinking about it, I thought, well, yeah, I haven't had any success. I never played in a final. Um, I guess that's right. And uh, so that was agreed. It was announced. But the interesting thing was uh, several weeks later, uh, club started to ring me up and uh, talk to me. And I, I said to them, look, I've retired. And they said, no, we've heard that. But we've also been told by Melbourne, if a deal can be done, you're on the table. Oh. So that's how that really came about. And then to be, then what happened was that then there was a split uh, in the board. And that split in the board was that this shouldn't have happened because it wasn't a full uh, a board decision. Um, and over a period of time, there was some toing and froing. But the reality from my point of view was I'd made my decision, now I've left. And then I spoke to two fantastic people. One was the great Tom Hafey, and the other was Ron Barassi. And both wow. of them convinced me that they wanted me to come on board. So I had to make a decision. And after ser- serious consideration and a true story, Rex, I couldn't make my mind up. And I tossed a coin in the air, and it came down North Melbourne. Wow. And that's how I, I, I gave North the, that I would go. Then North wanted to deal with Melbourne. Melbourne then made a decision, no, we're not going to let him go. Um, and it toed and froed, and it ended up in front of the appeals tribunal at that point of time. Yeah, and I think there was a $2,000 fine handed out. It was a lot of money back there yeah. uh, uh, for breaking uh, the anti-poaching rules. Yeah, and so uh, in the finish, what happens that the... Uh, the VFL, in their wisdom, uh, decided that, uh, yes, I, I got an open clearance to North Melbourne. 77 was a standout year for North. It was almost accepted that they were going to have another shot because they'd had a shot the previous year and uh, 
uh, Hawthorne, I think, had fixed them up. Had they or Correct. not? They had. And uh, 77, and but they'd won it in 75. So yep. that was the, the, the monkey off the back. But 77, you didn't break into the side until round seven. Was that form or was that circumstances beyond your control? No, that was a fact that uh, took that period of time uh, for the until we could get the to go through. Tribune wow. for that to go. And so in that period of time, I actually... Um, because of those things, I hope to, I hope to train with uh, with VF with VFA clubs, Rex, because yeah. they weren't uh, they weren't under the same rules yeah. as the VFL. You found yourself at Arden Street, which uh, at best were just basic uh, facilities. You yep. know, I can remember, you know, the gas uh, gasometers in the background. I remember the the communal bath and the cold showers. But you arrived with two of the greatest players you'd play against now playing with you, Schimmelbush and Keith Gregg, yep. two household names that will stand the test of time as quality wing people. Surely you can't uh, can't help but say, how good is this? I've got a second yeah. chance. Well, Rex, I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, it, it's, it's really? It's amazing. No, I, I trained with the club and... Uh, and and I'll relay something to you that after about two weeks at the club uh, in training, I came home and said to Judy, uh, I'm not staying there. Oh. And she said, why is that? And I said, well, to be honest with you, I don't feel comfortable. She yeah. said, why is that? And I said, I, I hope I'm not swearing, but I said, I've never met a group of such smart-ass, arrogant pricks in all my life. And why and did you hold back when you were talking to Jude? <laughs> and she said, why is that? And Please I said, explain. I said, they're up themselves. Go on. Uh, she said, what do you mean? I said, they're strutting oh. around telling me a good... I said, you know, there's a bloke called Schimmelbush come up to me and said the other day, We've heard you're a good player, but son, understand this. We win our own footy at North. If you think you're going to run around and get the easy kick, you won't be accepted here. Goodness me. And and, I, and she said, well, it's the wisdom of your wife, isn't it? She said, well, if that's the way you feel, don't stay there. Can I ask you this question? I said, what's that? She said, have you ever thought you're the one with the problem? Yeah. And I said, why? She said, you've had 13 seasons being a loser. Perhaps you don't like to be in a successful environment. Bang. <laughs> and she's right. And, the... and she's right. Because you know what? That was... This was this was Rex. You would have known this when you played at yeah. Tigers. This is when we talk. We hear people talk about culture. Yeah. But culture's about the values that are set Sometimes within the group. Sometimes the truth hurts. And and this, they were just laying on the line. And don't in it? other words, this is if you if you do these things here, you'll be accepted by the group. I'm sure this was the year that a guy, a journalist joined you, John Powers. Correct. And wrote a book called The Coach. And I'm just off the top of my head. And I can remember what you, uh, when Brassie said at the end of the second uh, grand final, that I hope all the crap that I put on you, and you said it's worth it. And obviously it was worth it. It must have been an unbelievable occasion to play two grand finals in the one year. I can remember, I reckon, Twiggy Dunn actually made it go to the next yep. week with a torpedo punt at the northern end. Is Correct. that right? Yes, yeah, spot on. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so, I mean, it was a remarkable thing not to have played in a final, then to play in a final series, uh, to get to grand final, for it to be a draw and have to come back and replay all in the one year when, re- when the reality was 12 months earlier you thought it was all over. Do you get together with the premiership blokes? Oh, you bet. And you know, just like Richmond, and oh, and, and each year does it become oh, more you important? Oh, Do you, you think that the kids of today, and when you're 68 and I'm 65, which we are now, they're all kids. Do you think it means as much when a kid's getting 700,000, whether he's on the bottom or on the top? No, I, I don't. I don't think it means as much initially if they get it early. Mm. But I think that what you'll still find is that when the ones who actually get it, when they don't have it for a number of other years, and you've ever heard people say that if they've ever been lucky enough to have a second one, 
they didn't realise how fantastic it was that first one. Yeah. From my point of view, I, I, I didn't experience it because to go for so long without it, yeah. when it finally came, it was just as if um, I'd gone from something that never happened in my life now to something that I can celebrate. And, and you're right. See, the bottom line is that the premiership is in itself is fantastic, but the relationships with the people that you played in that premiership, that's the goal. In 1934, Australia snatched the ashes from England and Tobin Brothers Funerals began serving the community of Victoria. In the 80 years since, Leo, Fonts, Tom and Kevin launched their fledgling funeral business. Tobin Brothers Funerals has served more than 228,000 families and become one of Australia's most respected and trusted funeral companies. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. This is touchy. I've touched on with you. You're comfortable. Tobin brothers do celebrate lives. Yep. Hopefully old lives. Yeah. Hopefully blokes like you and I that our grandchildren say, Pop or Grandpa, what a fantastic life. You and Judy and your family were dealt the cruelest of blows by losing Matthew. Your beautiful dear boy Matthew in 1989. My boy played in the same uh, uh, competition, uh, same uh, footy team with him, went to the same school. I know you say you've got to go on, but how can you go on? And it hasn't been without its hurdles. Oh, no. And no. I'm asking this because of the yep. people out there yep. who are in the same situation because you've been there. Yeah. Look, I think that um, it's something that no, we talk about, but the reality is until it happens to you, you don't really think it's going to happen. Mm. Uh, and and, and you, all I wasn't prepared. I don't know how you'd ever be prepared oh, no. for it. Um, I come to understand how fragile I was. Uh, I thought I was a strong person, uh, but at that point of time, Rex, I totally lost it. I didn't know how to handle it. Um, and to be honest, I thought I'd fight my own way through. I, I thought I'm, I'll beat this and I'll show everybody and everything like that. The reality was that I couldn't have done it without other people. Uh, that's that's the simple things. Uh, there are times when, and in, I can say this openly, I lost a lot of good friends through that. Did you really? And you know why? Because they didn't know how to deal with me. They didn't know how to handle it. No. And, and they, some people would would see who I'd, I'd grown up with now just couldn't even come and face me because they didn't know what to say. Mm. And yet other people came to me. Yeah. <laughs> there are other people who are really there what for me. What was your darkest hour? When I was standing um, on the river just out of Seymour looking at the water. Just staring into the Golden River. this is the only river. way I can solve the problems oh, no. in. You and know, I, And uh, I don't even know how I got there. And, and probably only your inner strength and probably the thought of uh, Judy and yep. uh, Sheridan and, and, and the rest of your life that just got you going. Yeah, it, and, and so, you know, and it was something I don't know. At that point of time, um, just know this is, this is you know, I, I, to do that would be betraying him. Yeah. Uh, and I came back. And then something happened in my life of all the other different things and great people, and I'm comfortable to tell everybody that you and Lynn were very close at that point of time. And I think one of the reasons is because you you could handle it, uh, and I think you did have an empathy because of your Matthew, mm. um, and, and there was a genuine closeness. Mm. But I think probably as much of all those other things was when Peter Hudson and Kenny Sheldon come and knocked on my door mm. um, and talked about me coming and getting back into footy. And I told both of them that you don't want me because I'm total loss. Uh, at that point of time, I had an office in North Melbourne. And I said, I come into work every day. I close the door, sit there and cry. Mm. Um, and Kenny and Hutto said, we want you to come down and help us at St Kilda. Kenny's about to become coach. We think you'll be good for us. And I said, mate, you don't want me. And, and they, Kenny then said to me, I'll give and put this to you. He said, 
if you come and join us, get involved and work with our kids, turn up whenever you want, if you don't want to nick off, he said, but I'll tell you what you do, if you do that, and I know you're going to do a bit of work with the media next year, when you're there, he said, you know what, we're going to look after your wife and daughter. Yeah, so what wow. you do, he said, we're going to pick them up, take them to the footy, we're going to take them to the president's luncheon, we're going to sit them in the grandstand with the players' wives and girlfriends. When you're on your way home, come and pick them up because they'll be in the aftermatch and we'll look after them if you come back. Such that's, is the that's quality how, of the that, people and they would have I, done yep. that for no other reason yep, because they cared about and you. And you know what? All I knew was them as opponents. Yeah. <laughs> and yet the footy world reached out Isn't to it me. amazing? How successful people are the ones you just talk about and the unsuccessful people who don't get up early enough are the bitter ones. Yeah. It's just been wonderful. Thank you for opening up. Uh, I'm sure our people out there uh, will get the message loud and clear. How's your ingrown toenail out there this morning? I bet you it's not too bad. It's been wonderful, Stanley, and thanks yeah. for your time today. Any time with you is great, Sham. Good on you, mate. Stanley Els, if you'd like to hear extended versions of this interview, check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals or follow us on Twitter at Rex Football Life. And this has been This Is Your Football Life, thanks to Tobin Brothers Celebrating Lives. And join me again next week somewhere in the wonderful world of football for another wonderful story from our past champions.